Thank you, Terry, and thank you, guys. Band, it's outstanding. Good time of worship. If you have your Bible with you, turn to Psalm chapter 20. If you do not have a Bible, then uh, Terry said he would buy you one if you would just talk to him about it. Uh, but no, seriously, we, we want you to bring your Bible to uh, church with you. If you have one, if you don't, we'll buy you one. Uh, also, we'll have it printed on the, uh, on the screen as well. Psalm chapter 20, this is our introductory sermon on the Hebrew names of God. So very excited to spend with you over the next few months and just trying to, very humbly trying to unpack all that is in a name. Think with me for a moment about how important a person's name is. If you minimize or mitigate how important a person's name is, then try mispronouncing their name and see the furrowed brow and see the frown upon their faces or do what I do sometimes. I tell you, I am an expert of thinking that one person's name is it's just in my mind. They are that person. Of course, that's not their name, but that's who they are in my mind. Mind's eye. This has happened to me repeatedly. Uh, just, just yesterday, I went up to uh, a guy here in the church, and uh, to me, his name is Mark. I mean, it's, his name is Mark. And I went up to him, and I said, how you doing, Mark? And he says, I'm doing fine, Pastor, but that's not my name. My name is Richard. I said, okay, God, God. I was playing golf with uh, Brad, Brad Roberts, and uh, we were having a good time. He's on, on our media staff here. And for 11 holes, I called him Kevin. That was the strangest thing. He was... <laughs> It, it dawned on me about the 12th hole. I looked at him. I said, you're not Kevin, are you? And he said, no, we've been playing golf here the whole time. You've been calling me uh, th- that. And I said, I'm, I'm so sorry. A person's name is a big deal. It's a big deal because it represents uh, who they are. It's what the name of what they've been given at birth. It's the name they will have till they die. And God has, he has a name. He has multiple names that he have granted to us so that we might know him, listen to this, and so that we might verbalize his name, call upon his name, so that he can help us in our time of need and so that we can can worship him more accurately and more intimately. And so today, I want to give you an overview of where we're going over the next few months. Today is an introductory sermon. It's kind of a ramp sermon. We're going to ramp up, and then we're going to launch out into the next name or the first name we're going to look at is the Hebrew name Elohim, Creator God. If you know some people have an issue with creation, intelligent design, and evolution, then I encourage you to bring them next week as we're going to talk about our God is an awesome God. He is a majestic, awesome, incredible God. He is a God who creates everything uh, out of nothing. And so today, though, we're going to look at Psalm chapter 20. And I want to engage your mind today. I hope you've come to church, as Brother Terry admonished us a moment ago, You know, not to go through the motions, not just to go through the mundane, oh, I'm in church, it's Labor Day weekend, I wish I was at the lake. No, I I hope you've come today to worship God with reverence, with intensity, with passion. Jesus said, the Father is desirous of us to worship Him in spirit and in in truth. And so there's going to be a lot of truth today. I'm going to share with you my heart what God is just so... And he's so emblazoned this message upon my heart today. And I tell you, I would be as excited if there were 5,000 here or if there were two people here because this message God has given me about his name. So let's look at Psalm chapter 20. And I'm going to read all the, the chapter, verses 1 uh, through 9. It says, May the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. May the name, are you with me? May the name 
of the God of Jacob defend you. Now, now notice that the word Lord, L-O-R-D, it's all caps. In Hebrew, that is always the word Jehovah or the word Yahweh. It is the covenant-keeping God of Israel. It is that name, that word. If you have any traditional or pretty serious Jewish friends, they will not mention that name. They will say, and, okay, and then they will go on. I mean, it's so reverent to them that they would not dare even verbalize the name in fear that they might tarnish the sanctity and the sacredness of that name. And I tell you, that is God's name. And, it, and, and David says, and may he, this great God of Jacob, defend you, protect you. The word literally means may he set you on high. May he send you help from the sanctuary. And may God strengthen you out of Zion, which is another reference for Jerusalem. May he remember all of your offerings and accept your burnt sacrifice, Salah. May he grant you according to your heart's desire and fulfill all of your purpose. All of this is inherent, intrinsic to his name. He is, and point number one, I'm going to talk about this in a moment. He is a protecting God. Inherent in the name of God is one of the attributes of God that he is a protecting God. He is an omnipotent God whose strong arm enables him and empowers him so that he might grant protection and blessing to those of us who honor and acknowledge his name. All right, look at verse 6. Ooh, verse 5. I'll tell you, I'm so pumped up. We will rejoice in your salvation and in the, help me church, in the name. Here's the praise factor. In the name of our God, we will set up our banners May the Lord fulfill all of your petitions. Now, I know, David says, that the Lord saves his anointed, his chosen one, his Messiah. He will answer him from his holy heaven with the saving strength of his right hand. I tell you, throughout this whole psalm, you're just going to see this interchange of God's name and God's majesty and God's power. He is revealing himself to us so that we might know him and worship him and be blessed by him. Oh, look at verse 7. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember Zakar. We will mention, meditate on, we will reflect upon the name of the Lord our God. They have bowed down and they have fallen, but we have risen and we stand upright. Do you see the juxtaposition there? Do you see the comparison and the contrast? Those who trust in chariots and in horses, they bow down and they fall. But those who remember the name, those who honor our great God, know in verse 8, it, we rise up, we stand up, because our God empowers us and energizes us. Look at verse 9. Save, Lord. May the king answer us when we call. The name of God is so important. When I think about God's name, I think about his character. I think about his person and, and who he is. You know, I have a name. My name is Danny, and I also have uh, many roles. I am a father. I am a husband. I am a son. I'm a cousin. I'm a, well, I was a professor. I'm a pastor. I am a friend. I have multiple nomenclatures and no, multiple titles and names, but in essence, in ontology, I am one individual entity human being. Think about it like this, a multifaceted diamond. 
When you look at, let's say I was holding a 10-carat diamond, ladies. It wasn't on your hand, on your finger. It was in my hand. And let's just say I held up this beautiful, precious stone, this diamond, and the prism of it, it would refract upon that light, and I would turn it this way, and the brilliance and radiance of it would just over, overwhelm us. And we would say, oh, isn't that a beautiful rock? Isn't that a beautiful diamond? Then I would come over here, and I would, I would lower it. Maybe the shadow would fall upon it, and you'd say, oh, there's another hue. There is another dimension of that diamond. That is a beautiful, multifaceted diamond, but it's one diamond. It, and that's the way God is. God in his brilliance and his radiance and his hue and his color and his glory, he is one entity, Father, Son, and Spirit. And yet when you look at him from different angles, from different perspectives, you see that though he is one, he has given us these multiple names whereby he reveals himself. Isn't that cool? So today, what we're going to do is we're going to study uh, the name of God and what that means. No, it means two things. Number one, we're going to be educated. And by, by the way, I believe in coming to church. I believe in learning. I don't believe in coming and checking my brain at the door and saying, okay, let me just come to church. No, I come and worship God, worship him with my mind. And God wants us to know his name so that we might worship him, Brother Terry, we might worship him more accurately, more passionately, and so that we would understand just how awesome he is, understand his name. Another reason why we study the names of God is that it positions us, it places us in a posture to be blessed. Now, if you want to be blessed in your walk with God, then you begin to familiarize yourself with the Hebrew names of God. And I tell you, every single morning when I wake up, one of the things that I do is by memory, I quote the 15 Hebrew names of God. Now, you say, you don't do that every morning now, do you, Brother Danny? Oh, yes, I do. I get up, I have my quiet time, I'm drinking that Folgers Amen coffee, and I'm just saying, good morning, Adonai. Adonai, you are the Lord and the Master. I love you, Elohim. Ooh, Elohim, God, you created everything, and you are worthy to be praised. Ooh, El El Yon, you are God most Hi, possessor of heaven and earth. You don't do that every morning, do you? Oh, yes, I do. Let me tell you something, friend. I can get excited about a college football game, but I get more excited about worshiping my great God and just telling him how awesome he is, how wonderful he is. God loves it when you know his name. And if you don't know his name, you need to get to know his name because what it does is it'll enable you, empower you to worship him more accurately and more intimately and number two, it will position you that you will be blessed so that when a need arises, you're able to call upon that particular need. Now, let me say this in the introduction. I am not embracing Gnosticism. I am not one of those philosopher, professor, theologian kind of guys that says, well, you know, Gnosticism, we have the secret thing on God and, and na, 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 we know it and you can't know it. And that's, that is heresy. God says, here's my name. Here's the book that has all my names. If you will be diligent and study, and if you will understand and you will know it, then you will be richly, exorbitantly, enormously blessed. Can I just say today, is it okay if I bless you? I didn't say bless you out. You know what I'm saying? I mean, bless you, encourage you. And I want to do that today. Speaking of the names of God, when you call out God's name, it just, man, it just 
it encourages his spirit. His heart is blessed. I was reading Ken Hemphill's wonderful book called The Names of God. He says, you know, most of us have several names to which we respond. My favorite name, of course, is Daddy. My girls have a way of saying that name that melts my resolve and opens the floodgate of my wallet. Amen. <laughs> the name of God. Psalm chapter 20 is such a rich historical perspective uh, on the name of God. Charles Haddon Spurgeon says this in his wonderful book, The Treasury of David. And by the way, Charles Haddon Spurgeon was the deal. He was pastoring a mega church before we even knew what a mega church was. In 1861 to 1891, at the Metropolitan Tabernacle there in London, England, 6,000 people would pack in and hear this man preach the Word of God with great passion and power. He says this about our subject today. Oh, listen to this. There may be much in a royal name or a learned name or a venerable name, but it will be a theme of heavenly scholarship to discover all that is contained in the divine name. And that's what we're going to do. It's inexhaustible, inestimable, the inherent, intrinsic, dynamistic, synergistic power tied up in God's name. Now, some of you are going, okay, Brother Danny, we got the introduction. Let's get into the text. Okay, let's do it. Psalm chapter 20. First thing I want to talk to you about is what I've called the protection factor of God's name. The protection factor of God's name. And you see it here in verse 1. May the Lord answer you in what? In your time of trouble. May the name of the God of Jacob defend you, set you on high, position you in a place of safety. Can I just say this? God is not some cosmic uh, entity, some divine being as the deists claim, that he is tucked away off in some galaxy, some supernova way tucked out on the other side of another world, and he's so transcendent and so incredible, his arms are, are folded, he turns his face against us little earthlings, you know, little people down here on this earth. That's what the deists claim about God. That is not God at all. Oh, let me tell you something, friend. He is transcendent. He is an awesome, amazing God. But you know what? He's also imminent, which means that he condescends himself. He humbles himself so that you and I might see him and that we might know him. And listen to this, so that we can call out to him in our time of need. He is a God who protects, inherit, intrinsic, tied up within his name is what is known as this protection factor. You got to understand the history of Psalm 20 to appreciate what David is saying. David, in 2 Samuel chapter 11 and 12, he sinned egregiously against God. He committed murder against Uriah. He committed adultery with Bathsheba. He sinned egregiously, so blatantly, and God disciplined him. And by the way, that's the way God does. When we willfully, volitionally sin, I mean, God, he punishes us as his children. He chastises us. But now God is he's restoring David. He has forgiven David, and now the children of Israel are beseeching God. They're crying out, oh, God, have mercy on our king, and have mercy on us, Lord, because we are going to battle now against the dreaded Ammonites. That's who they're in battle against. 
And the context of Psalm 20, the historical Sitzenleben, the Germans would say, the situation in life in the children of Israel and King David is, David has sinned greatly against God, God has cleansed him, and now they're on the eve of battle, on the precipice of going against their enemies, and now the children of Israel say, oh God, answer us in our day, in our time, in our moment of struggle. Aren't you glad today that when God forgives you, he really forgives you, he does not hold it against you, and then when you bump into trouble, he does not say, well, I told you not to do that, I'm just going to remind you for the rest of your life, you little heathen, you little reprobate, I'm telling you, I'm going to scold you for the rest of your life. Nope, God didn't do that. He says, I forgive you, and now you say you need me, I'm going to help you. Mm -hmm. That just gets me excited. God is so amazing. You know what they call that? They don't call that law, my dear brother. They call that what? They call that God's grace. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. Y'all remember that? The righteous run into it. And they fall down and bump their head. No, that's not what I say. And they are what? Safe. Is it on there? Bring it up. Proverbs 18.10. The name of the Lord, a strong tower. The righteous run to it, and we are safe because of God's name, God's nature, God's providential, sovereign, fatherly care. He cares for us. He loves us. And when we know his name, sinful, yes, we have been, and sinful we are. God cleanses us. God forgives us. We pray. Others pray for us. Boom! God shows up, and he protects us. That's just who he is. He's so awesome. Kay author in her book, um, Lord, I Want to Know You. It's a wonderful book. I've read more books about the names of God as I prepared this series, but I love the study. It is, as Spurgeon says, it is a study of heavenly scholarship. Kay author tells the true story of a man out on his property, leaning up against a fence post, early morning, just enjoying the serenity and the beauty of the morning, and it's violently interrupted by the barking, loud barking, clamorous barking of a dog or pack of dogs. These dogs were on a hunt, and they were chasing through the meadow. They were rushing across his land, and he just said, well, I'm just going to sit back and watch what they're hunting. About that time, this doe, this fawn, this young little deer, I mean, she was on the run. She was the prey. The predators, they were barking, they were howling. And, and, and this, this man who owns the property, he, he was just, he was standing back. He's going, wow. He watched it, the whole scene. And then that fawn, that little doe, stopped about 20 yards in front of him. And this is what she did. The dogs are hunting, they're pursuing, and her little head, she looks back that way, and you can just see she's, she's panting, her, her coat is glistening with, with sweat, and, and then she looks this way, and she sees this open expanse. And she looks this way, and the dogs are coming. She looks this way, and there's this open expanse. She knows she is doomed. And then her, her eyes look over to the fence and catch the eye of the owner, true story of the property. The man is just standing there like this going, looking at this deer, wobbling and weak as she could be. Instead of running, 
she walks up to the man and buries her head into his chest. And she just leans her head up against this man. She had found a protector. She had found someone who would secure her. I'm telling you, I'm speaking today not to a doe or a fawn or a deer, but I'm speaking to a human being. And you look behind you and all you can see is failures and sins and difficulties and the pressures of life and debt and problems, and you're so disgusted and despondent. And then you look ahead of you and you say, oh, I'm so confused. Surely there's got to be some guidance. What in the world am I doing in this life with my life? And you're so fearful, but glory to God, today it could be today that you would look up to heaven and you would see an awesome, amazing God who reaches down in his grace and he lifts you up and he draws you to his bosom. That's what it means when I say the protection of God, the glory of God, the favor of God. And the psalmist, he, he captures this in these words when he says, you are the God of Jacob. You're the God of Israel. And what he is doing is he is looking back to the days of the patriarchs when God led them out of, out of Egypt and he leads them into the promised land, the providential guiding hand of providence. He is the protecting God. Okay, look, look real quickly. I'm not going to spend forever on the sermon, but look at verse 2. Remember the protection. May he send you help from the sanctuary. God is a helper. May he strengthen you. God strengthens us. He remembers our offerings. He accepts our sacrifice. Look at verse 4. And may he grant unto you according to your... Come on now. Are y'all reading the same book I am? Would God be so kind and so powerful that he would grant us our very heart's desire and he would fulfill all of our purpose. If we are that doe, if we are that little fawn and we are devastated by our past and we are confused about our present, we have no idea about the future, could our God be so kind to say, look unto me, I will protect you, I will bless you, I will love you, I will help you. All you have to do is turn unto me. Yeah, he's that way. They call that, again, God's grace. Tied up, intrinsic within this, this awesome God is a God who protects. Number two, it's what I've entitled, number two, is the praise factor. Now, if God is like that and he does what he says he can do, then it issues within us, both verbal and nonverbal, demonstrative praise to God. Now, look at the psalmist. He says, we will rejoice. We will rejoice in your salvation and in your, what, name, in the name of God, we will set up our banners. May the Lord fulfill all of your petitions. The Hebrew word for banner is hegel, H-E-G-E-L. It literally means a flag, a pole, something that would identify you with either your God or with your country, and it would be a demonstration of your praise and allegiance to either your God or your country. Stay with me in medieval times in the Middle Ages. Remember how the, the armies would march toward the battlefield, 
And you would have this beautiful crimson and, or flowing white flag, and it would represent your country, and you would identify with that country. You would march under the banner, under the, the title of that country, not only to identify with it, but in to praise it and try to defend its honor. And that's what the Israelites did. That's what all these countries did. They marched into battle. They raised their banners to identify and to worship. Now, listen to this, guys. When Psalm 20 was written, the battle had not been won. They are raising their banners. They are praising. They are identifying. They're doing all of these things in anticipation that God would come through with them. I love that song we sang a moment ago. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Lord, I bless your name. The sun is shining. Woo-hoo. Sun is shining. I made an A on my test. My bank account is full. My BMW rides really good. Everything is smooth. And I'm going to go to Great Hills Baptist Church. Woo. Da, da. Praise the Lord. Man, everything is good. Let me ask you something, friend. Can you do that? When you're driving your old beat-up Volkswagen bug and you don't have no money in your account and your relationships have turned sour on you and your job is mean is mean and bad as it can be, can you come to Great Hills then? Whoop! It's like, yep, praise his name. You know why? Because God is worthy. That's what it means to praise him. Even if you don't feel like it, you'll say, I'm raising my banner. I'm, I'm identifying, not with the country, but with my great God. And I am going to worship him and praise him. That's what he's talking about in Psalm 20. Hope we get that. Hope we can wrap our minds and our hearts around this. Anybody can thank and praise God after the battle is won, but only people of faith, fortitude, can praise him in the heat of the storm. We will, you see it, verse 5, we will rejoice. We will raise our banners. We do know, God, that you save. You will answer us from heaven. Notice he doesn't say, oh, thank you, God, for answering us from heaven. No, anticipation with the saving strength of his right hand. One writer puts it this way, understanding the names of God will help us to understand how to praise him, how to worship him. For this reason alone, as believers, we should hunger to understand the significance of the names of God. His name is great and worthy of our praise. Like an earthly father, he must rejoice when he hears his children praise him and use his name. Okay, so let's do it. A little unorthodox, a little unconventional. But I want us to, I want us just to honor God's name. And I want us to stand to our feet. You say, like, now? Yep, like right now. If you would, just stand to your feet. Some of you are going, oh, you just woke up. Is it invitation, honey? Is it done? Is it, is it over? Is, is he done? I didn't think he'd ever shut up. Is he done? No, no, honey, he's, he's not done. We, we're doing something really weird now. We're, we're standing to our feet. Some of you are standing, and all is right in heaven on earth. And I'm so glad for you. I rejoice for you. Some of you are standing... And it's not all right. You got some issues, man. You, you got a marriage that's struggling. And you've got children that are, that are having a hard time. And you're not sure about your job. So what you're going to do in faith, you're about to raise a banner. You're going to raise a verbal banner of praise to God. And we're going to give him a sacrifice of praise. Now, this is going to be cool. What I'm going to ask you to do is when the verses come on the screen, 
I want you to read them out loud with me. I'm going to read them loud, and I'm going to go fast, so y'all got to talk fast like me, okay? And what we're going to do is these verses are going to acknowledge God's name, praise Him in advance, for just like the psalmist did in Psalm 20. We're going to rejoice, praise His name, thank God, even though, even though He hadn't come through yet. But you know what, friend? He will come through because He's just that good, and He's just so awesome, and He knows what is best. Here we go. Are y'all ready? On the count of three. One. Hold on. Two, three. Oh Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. Say it. Who have set your glory above the heavens. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised in the city of our God in his holy mountain. Now say it like you mean it. Here's the next one. According to your name, O God, so is your praise to the ends of the earth. Your right hand is full of righteousness. Look at this one. We give thanks to you, oh God. We give thanks for your wondrous works. Declare that your name is near. One more. Oh, look at this one. Let them praise your great and awesome name. Woo! He is holy. Come on, God. Church, isn't that awesome? Praise. Yep. Amen. God bless you. Have a seat. I, I tell you guys, that is so spiritually energizing and therapeutic. What you just did, guys, is you blessed the name of the Lord. You raised a verbal banner in anticipation of what he's going to do. I tell you, I love my, my children and they come to me and they, they need, I have three teenagers, amen, and they always need money or direction or something, and, and I always lovingly, and, and I want to be generous and give it to them, but on those occasions, when they come to me and say, Dad, keep your wallet, it's okay. Dad, I just want you to know something. Man, I appreciate you. <laughs> I thank you. Thank you for working so hard. Thank you for what you do for this family. I'm telling you, there's nothing I won't give them in those moments. I'm telling you, like, what do you want, child? I mean, I'll just bless you. And I think about me being evil, if I feel that way. How does God, how does God feel right now? In the midst of your storm and in your battle, you stood and you, you sang praise, you shouted praise to his name. I really believe that what we're doing is we are positioning you, posturing you, to be blessed by God. Okay, so if you get really blessed, why don't you just send me an email? Now, don't bless me out. I get plenty of those emails, all right? I don't want those. I want you to say, Brother Danny, here's where I was on Labor Day, and this was rough, and it was tough, and it was tumbling, and I praised God, and I blessed God, and I'm just going to tell you, look what God has done. Okay, number three. Blessing be the name of the Lord. Okay, we got protection Praise and honor. Oh, son, this is, this is going to be so fun. The Lord is about to steppeth on some toes. I, I feel it. And I, I got my hard shoes on too because I got to receive this, all right, because this is what God says. In verse 20, he says, Some trust in chariots and some in horses. Military nomenclature. 
Some trust in man-made businesses, corporations, enterprise, military. That's what the pagan Gentile nations, that's what they trust. Kaka is the Hebrew word. They, they put their hope in those things. But we will zakar. Look, look at verse 7. We will zakar. We will remember, mention, ruminate, reflect on, raise up. We will remember the name of our God. Now, now notice the statement of theology and notice the contrast in that verse. The statement of theology is all of us trust in somebody. All of us trust in something. You trust in your education. You trust in your uh, intelligence. You, you trust in our country's military strength. You trust in the economy. Everybody posits and places their trust in some entity, and that entity becomes their God. And David says, some trust in this, but we will zakar. We will make mention and remember the name of God. Did you know, this is a very fascinating little factoid I'm about to share with you. In the law... The Israelite kings were not to amass prodigious large numbers of horses and chariots. Did you know that? They were strictly prohibited from doing that because God did not want them placing and positing their faith and trust in horses. He wanted them to trust Him, to look to Him for help. I'm, don't read too much in this statement. Oh, Brother Danny's against the defense. Brother Danny said we shouldn't have nuclear warfare. You nitwit, don't put words in my head. Just listen to what I'm saying. Our trust is in not the White House, but in God. Our trust is not in our PhDs or lack thereof. Our trust is in God. Our trust and our faith and our hope is not in our, some of you ladies, look at this, look at this. Men, I'm God's gift. Nope, this will turn like this one day, all right? We don't trust in that. We hope, we trust in Him, a true God, amazing God who is sustaining and providential and sovereign and awesome, and, and He has manifested His glory on this earth, and He is saying, I am worthy of your trust. Some trust in this, but we will remember Him. Here's the third commandment, and we break it frequently. You shall not take the name of God, the Lord your God, in vain. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Let me tell you what that means and what it doesn't. Verse 7 says we remember his name, we trust in his name, we honor his name. And the great commandment, or third of the great commandments, we... We mention his name flippantly. We, we attach a, a four-letter word to it, and we... Guys, I don't want to become pharisaical or legalistic on you, but there's really something sacred about God's name. And I would be very careful. Some of you are in the habit of doing this, and I want to just go ahead and, and just kindly, pastorally rebuke you and chide you for just a minute. These words ought not come out of your mouth. I'm going to say them. But I, this is not a part of my vocabulary. Well, Lordy mercy. Lordy mercy. Oh, oh my teenagers, OMG, I wouldn't text that. It doesn't stand for God, Brother Daniel, it stands for gosh. I still wouldn't text it. Amen. 
It's his name. You never put OMB, oh my Buddha, oh my Confucius. There's just something about God's name. His, his name is misused, it is abused, but guys, let's honor his name. Some of y'all going, I'm good there. Woo, woo. I never say, Lordy mercy. I never say, G-O-D-D-A-M-N. I am so good there. Not so fast. I think the way we break the third commandment, not honor his name, is when we say one thing and we don't live it. We say, we name the name of Christ, that we are his people. We follow him. But our behavior is not commensurate with our lofty professions. And the Bible says that we're hypocrites and we need to repent. Are you with me? That's what I think the great meaning of don't break the third commandment is don't take the name of God and the nature of God. You profess one thing and then you betray that lofty name and that profession with your behavior, which is not commensurate with your lofty profession. So let's be consistent in honoring his name, worshiping his name. Hey, listen, guys, God is not very impressed how high we jump in church. You know that? He is impressed when our feet hit the ground and we walk out that door and live his name. Ken Hemphill, who wrote the book entitled The Names of God, it's awesome. It's almost as good as Andrew Jukes' The Names of God, which is also good, like K. Authors, Lord, I Want to Know You. There's just so many good books on his name. Ken Hemphill, 6'5", 200 plus pounds, like your preacher, I know, got it going on. 6'5", 220, on his way to Wake Forest University to play collegiate football. He does. He plays, has a great career, goes on to Cambridge, Ph.D., Cambridge University in, in England. Finishes up his education, goes on to become the pastor of First Baptist Church of Norfolk, Virginia. And he was my president at Southwestern Seminary who signed my degrees. Ken Hemphill, when he was 18 years of age, packed up his car. He was on his way to Wake Forest campus. He was breathing heavy, and his parents, they were just like shuffling their feet, and they were going, man, this is a bad day. This is a good day. But this is a bad day. He said, Mom was so emotional, she would not even walk out of the kitchen and tell me bye. She said, I just can't, son. Can't do it. You go. You know I love you. Goodbye. But he said, my dad, he said, my dad was such a man of God. He said, my dad walked me out to my car. Put his arm around my shoulder. He says, man, we're going to miss you. Boy, we're going to miss you so bad. Because I'm telling you, your mom and I, we really deeply love you. But son, I've only got one thing of value to give you. And I'm quoting his dad now. Son, I've only got one thing of value to give you. And that's my name. Don't take my name anywhere I wouldn't take it. And don't do anything, Ken, with my name that I wouldn't do with it. That's my only request I make of you, son. I love you. Goodbye. Ken Hemphill said, you know what? That messed me up. He said, that just messed me up. 
He said, I went to Wake Forest University, and I'm telling you, you name it, it was there, it was available, and it was like an avalanche of immorality. I mean, there's so many opportunities to go here and do this. In fact, my football buddies would constantly say, come on, Ken, everybody's doing this. Everybody's going to this party. Everybody's participating in this. And he would hear this echo. He would hear this, his voice say, son, I give you my name. It's all I have. It's my character. It's my integrity. It's who I am. Don't take my name. And, and he would go, well, guys, I, I think I'll just go back to the library. Or I think I'll just go hang out over here and do this. And then it would come up again. And he would say, what the problem was is there wasn't enough rules and regulations to cover all the sin that's available in colleges and universities. But there's one deterrent. There's one holy thing that kept me right with God and kept me good with my parents, and that was my name. God's name. He speaks his name over you today if you know him. This is why I call it the honor factor. And what I say and what I do, I want it to be in line with him and with his nature and with his character and with his holiness so that, so that I, when, God, when people look at me, they say, wow, God is good. God is real. Look what God has done. Hemphill says, I knew that I could not participate in many activities because God had entrusted me or my dad had entrusted me with his name. If you'll look at Psalm 20, verse 9, there's one more verse. You juxtapose verse 8, with those who trust in chariots, they bow down and fall. Those who trust in God, verse 8, they stand and rise. It's such an amazing text. I'm sorry, I probably didn't do justice to it today. I didn't exegete it like I should have. But look at verse 9. Save, Lord. May the king answer us. Are y'all with me today? He has not answered yet. This is an anticipation. God, we praise you. We love you. We trust you. We need you. Would you save? Oh, king, save. Romans 10, 13 comes to my mind. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. I'm going to tell you, friend, he is mighty to save, mighty to save. Listen, if you call upon him, he is mighty to save, to rescue, and to deliver you. I would invite some of you today for the very first time to call upon the name of the Lord and say, God, forgive me of my past, my ugly, bloody past. Lord, cleanse me today of my present, and God, I give you my future. I yield myself. I surrender myself to you, okay? Some of you already know the Lord. And God's protecting you, and you're praising him. But there are sometimes our lives are incongruent with honoring him. Can I just ask you to, may his praise be on your lips and may his righteousness be in your life and so that there is this, there's this real accountability that you love God, you belong to God, and you're going you're gonna to walk with him, okay? Some of you here today, and I'm pretty jacked up about this, you've come to Great Hills Baptist Church and you need a church home. You need a place where you can link your life and become a part of our family, become a part of our people here. I tell you, I've only been here like 14 weeks, but I have decided if I lived in this Austin area, I would join this church. I just, I just would. I said, well, that's a good thing, brother. You're, you're the pastor. You know, I would. I, I've had time. I've checked it out. I haven't checked out. Uh, but I just believe, like I preached last Sunday night where 
I told our people, I said, guys, I said, there's coming a day, and I pray it's soon, where people will say, where do you go to church? And I get that all the time, by the way. I, we say, well, I go to, I go to church. No, I go to Great Hills Baptist Church. The person looks at you and says, that, that church, that church is on fire. Yep. You say, that's my church. Not perfect, but we're a radiant church. Why don't you come and, and be a part of us? Some of you need to do that today. So how do I do that? Here's how you join Great Hills Baptist Church. You stand up, you walk down the aisle, I give you a microphone, and you sing a song. <laughs> it's really cool. And it's kind of like American Idol, and we all judge you. It's, that's how you join Great Hills Baptist Church. I'm just kidding. You know, I'm being facetious. You come, and you just say, hey, give my life to Christ. If you haven't been baptized, we baptize you. We put you with one of our counselors. They sit down with you, share with you the requirements, what, what this church is like. We'll be talking to you about our new members class, amen? And then you say, okay, I want to be a part of Great Hills. So let's do that. Let's honor God right now. Let's pray to him. Let's thank him. Let's respond to his call. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your name. We praise your name. We remember your name. We honor your name. We call upon you, God, right now for protection. There are some, Lord, like that little deer running through the meadow, Lord, that is glistening with sweat, with panting, with fear. But today, God, they find in you the lover of their souls, and they lay their weary lives upon you. Thank you, Lord, for that beautiful analogy. Thank you, God, that you are that person, that you are that great deity, that awesome God, God of all gods. Lord, today, during our invitation, I pray that there will be a great transference, a great exchange of our burden and our guilt and our pain with your acceptance, love, and forgiveness. Father, I believe there's some here today that you're calling out. You want them to identify with us and raise a banner for great hills, identify with us and, and worship with us. And Lord, if it be your will, just, just bring them on and help us to nurture them and train them so that they will be radiant disciples. Father, we, we love you. Praise your name. Pray that you would bless this invitation. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Would you stand to your feet? Terry, won't you lead us as you come? God bless you.